Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. If you are watching on YouTube, please don't forget to click that like button, click that subscribe button, and smash the notification bell so that you are notified every time we go live. We are live at these four locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but our next broadcast will be our annual fan hangout show on Friday. December 30th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that one will be on a different day. Uh, let's bring in my very good friend, Mr. Brian Hendrickson. Haven't seen you in a bit, man. How's it going? It's going good, man. We um, So how long have I... When did we meet? Now, you were you were an original employee of Community CCRX, right? Before it turned into member that? Member Health, yes. Member so Health. You were, okay, so you were there like a year or something before I joined, I believe. September... 3rd of 2003 I was hired September oh, September 12th excuse me okay so you got about two two years on me so I literally have never known you to be sick in 19 years and dude last week when I heard you on the phone you sounded absolutely awful but I literally have never known you to be sick and sick in 19 years that's very impressive yeah it's dude it was so it was so bad that i mean it just i could not kick it it was like a solid week and it it just kept getting worse and worse and i was like what is going on here and i just could not get rid of it yeah and I, I mean i was absolutely miserable like i hate working from home i worked from home the first four days of the week and then i took a pto day on friday and it's our busy season Right. And I never, ever take a PTO day during busy season. So that it was like just this. I mean, it had to be like 25 years since I was that sick for that long. So, yeah, so that and then you were going to roll with it and then your power went out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, the power going out out here when it's windy or snowy is not unique. But I just thought, man, I've really literally never known this dude to miss a show like I know he's got to be sick, too, if he's like, I don't even know if we're going to be able to get through the podcast. Yeah, if we do it. <laughs> But the, the, co the cough that I had was hellish, man. So, yeah, it's good to see you're better, man. Because that, especially at our age, man, if that crap lingers, <laughs> you never know when it's going to go away. Sure, thanks, man. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. Before we get into this episode, uh, um, so I ended up going to see uh, Jeff Tate, which you unfortunately were unable to attend due to your illness. Yeah, and uh, met up uh, buddy of mine. I work with Bob. Ended up meeting me there later, and. It, 
it started out as one of those nights. <laughs> okay. Where you walk in and about 10 minutes later, some dude who's all there by himself has decided you're going to be his best friend for the evening. Oh, yep. <laughs> and as I told you before, you being a lead singer especially know how this this goes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, this guy, I'm guessing I'm going to say five. And again, this I'm not saying anything about people that are short, whatever. It's, it's not one of those deals. He's like five, six, and I guess I'm being kind, right? Probably 61-ish. <laughs> Originally from California. Believe me, I got his entire life story. <laughs> of course. So, I wish I had taken a picture of it. So first thing he kind of is like, yeah, these guys are going to jam, right? You know, so whenever, one's, whenever someone starts out a sentence like that at a concert, <laughs> you know, you've, have you seen him before? And it's like, it's one of those guys, too, like he's talking the entire time. And when he asks you a question, he doesn't really want you to give an answer. <laughs> the hypothetical. Like, this is going to be really good, right? And I start to say, well, I've seen And then immediately it's back on to him. <clears throat> so the first thing he shows me is this picture of himself with hair down to basically his waist. Wearing like a sheet that says born to be wild. And he's like, yeah, this is uh, this is right after the Steppenwolf concert in 1981 at the uh you know, LA sports rink or something, you know, <laughs> like, Oh my God. He's got this picture on his phone and it gets even better. And then he's like, Hey man, are you into, are you into bikes at all? And I was like, well, not really. He's like, Oh, he's like, I, I, you know, I'm a big Harley guy. He's like, I, you know, I rode my Hardy's Harley to Cedar point and this and that. And he's like, what about regular bikes? And I was like, I said, yeah, I said, I'd like to ride my bike once in a while, but you know, so he shows me this picture <laughs> again. I wish I'd taken a picture of it. It's a picture of his buddy is on the roof of this apartment building and he's on a Schwinn beach cruiser. Now, have you ever seen one of those? They're like the movies, the bikes people are riding around in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Yeah. So one gear, right? He has this wooden ramp set up and it's like a 40. I'm not even kidding. A 35, 40 foot jump. Bob can like testify to this picture. And okay. Buddy took a picture of this guy mid-flight, like evil can evil, <laughs> over this jump, like in 1984 or something. And this is what he's showing me. And I'm like, this is absolutely the most amazing, fascinating story I've heard in a long time. <laughs> so from there, it's like we're we're that was after the opening band had, had finished up, you know. So we're just kind of waiting around for for Tate to start, and he's telling me all this and showing me these pictures. And I'm like, I get, I can't wait till Bob gets here. I'm like, I have to show Bob this picture. And Bob's like, his eyes are like, he's like, yeah, we got a new best friend or whatever, and is telling all this stuff. <laughs> right. So he's like, do you know where the soundboard is at Beachland at the back there? Yeah. Okay. So it's like it's kind of one of those places you you kind of want to be if you don't feel like sort of just standing in the middle you could kind of lean against it you know yeah so he's like hey man uh i gotta go get another beer can you watch my spot and my beer here <laughs> so, oh my God. so i turned into that guy you know and i'm like well i'm not going wow. I'm, I'm still waiting for bob right so bob gets there and he sees the whole spiel and he's shaking his head and stuff and then <laughs> and then finally the lights go out you know and it's like <laughs> immediately the guy grabs his phone holding up like dude can you hold my beer while I film this? Are you kidding me? Like, oh my god! Like I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'll play along with this for like you know half of this song or whatever. And so he's got his hands up as high as they can possibly go because this is a small dude, you know. It's like way up like this. What the hell? And then, yeah, and then finally, like he brings it down, and I'm like, 
okay i hand them the beer and i look at bob and i'm like i'm going up there i'm like yeah because there really wasn't anyway that's the story about that guy but i i don't know if there was man if i say there was 200 people there you probably when you were there would say i overestimated well he played there kind of recently yeah i mean it was it was definitely last year right so so this I is mean, similar to what you said you had seen right so this is the opening band was some i, I don't know if it's well his band is from all over including one of the guys yeah. from ireland yeah so it's like the same band that's the opener is his band then i guess the singer then plays a little bit of guitar the only person i think that wasn't in the original opening band was the keyboard player he was from yeah. brazil i believe they said but you know what it was it was cool i mean we did not know what to expect and um you know they tried to cram a few trying to think of what it was rise was maybe the song i, I forgot what song yeah i read i read the set list and it reminded me of like when you were a kid and your mom is like all right we're gonna have bacon yeah. bacon cheeseburgers and french fries for dinner but every few bites you have to eat this brussels sprout yeah, yeah. i was because yeah. it was like a lot of great stuff and then a couple just absolute turds from now, that later stuff you want nothing to do with to his credit i think there was only three total i forgot to get the actual set list and look it up what you did before so yeah you know it was pretty cool i mean the way i kind of explained it and you'll probably get this is like it to me it's like the difference of like okay when you go see queen's reich and they're playing through a 15 20 thousand dollar guitar rig you know and sound system and playing all those notes and songs note for note and then you get you know a $1,200 bar band or whatever planet. You know what I mean? They're all great <laughs> musicians and good guys. It just doesn't sound quite the same. I thought Tate sounded great for the most part, you know, up until, up yeah. until the end, there was a little bit of, of this and that, but you know, they also do this thing where they kind of don't play the whole song. Sometimes it, it, it doesn't turn into quite a medley, but things just sort of blur into the other. And when they're, when your songs are so kind of unique the way they are, it's kind of hard to like, sort of blend them you know what i mean like it, yeah it's not really seamless transition you know when you're going from like walking to the shadows to empire stuff i don't know it just you know what i mean it's it doesn't yeah. exactly work so we ended up getting i think that was the main disappointment was we only got one from um rage for order and that was walking the shadows and that was kind of a sort of a three minute like against part of almost part of a medley but not a medley you know they're all kind of just jamming to it I don't like when bands do that, man. Like when John Bush was in Anthrax, I love the John Bush era, but they would do that with the old stuff. They would like chop it up and like yeah. kind of like only play parts. I'm like, dude, cut that out. Like that's just I don't like when bands do that at all. I'm like, either play the song or don't. Yeah, no, it sort of annoyed me. But I mean, it wasn't so short that it wasn't. But I think you got a verse and a course and that was it. And uh, it was cool though we had like i wasn't expecting like we got like another rainy night um empire obviously jet city woman empire was the have... opener wasn't it empire was the opener yeah okay um we did not get uh operation Mindcrime the song which kind of surprised me um we got don't believe in love and breaking the silence okay. there was no no eyes of a stranger um he did this weird thing at the end where it was like all this it was almost like this punk thing. It's like, Dan. and I'm like, what is this? And then all of a sudden, it was Silver Bells <laughs> Christmas serious? song. Yeah, it was actually kind of fun. But the crowd was like, I, I don't know. But yeah, you talk about like 
you, you had a perfect analogy there, like everybody cheeseburger and fries. Uh, make sure you eat some broccoli and you know, if you hate I actually yeah. like, you know, as a kid. Yeah. But uh yeah, it was like he try to force those songs down and they they play them and they're jumping around and they're getting into them and and you know, some of them are not even all that bad, but it's just like they it's like, dude, you've got so many damn good songs. It's just you don't need to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> like but in all in all, man, I thought it was a great show. I thought he sounded I was I was pretty shocked. I I thought he was over totally overplaying anything from the original EP because I thought he said he couldn't hit it. Any of those. And they did uh, Lady Wore Black and um Queen of the Reich. And he obviously laid back pretty hard on those. Yeah. You know, it was nowhere near like I forgot what's the name of the new singer. Todd Latori. Yeah, Todd Latori. Yeah, he's he can't Todd Latori that stuff at all, but I think he knows that. But it was cool, man. I was really glad I went. I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great show, and and I thought he put on, you know, put on a hell of a performance, and the band was good enough, and I was glad I went. I was pissed that I had to miss that because I know I've seen him twice there, and it was, it's been good, it's been good, and you know, seeing somebody of that stature in a place that small, you know, we talked about this on the show previously. That I mean, it's it's really cool. And you don't really get an opportunity to do that very often. So, um, I mean, like we we bought tickets to see Queensryche in Pittsburgh with Marty Friedman, and that's not at a small venue. It's a, you know a theater and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that that sucked that I had to miss it. So, <laughs> I was you know, and, and of course they play my favorite Queensryche song. So you know I don't believe in love and miss right. that. <laughs> but um, so yeah, that that's um. Like I say, the set list looked cool outside of a few songs, and you know, sounds like you made a new friend. Uh, I mean, the only the only question is like, like how 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 quick did you run to get his number after the show? <laughs> so the, 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 to finish off that story, it's it's one of those stories where, you know, you saw the guy kind of double fisting all night, and you're just waiting for the time until, you know, he kind of runs into the wrong guy that doesn't feel like dealing with him. <laughs> And sure enough, it was after the show was over. We're walking out, Bob and I, and this guy's like totally going off on this dude, like, you know, looking at him and yelling. This guy's like, Ooh, I'm sorry, man. You know, like, so he finally, yeah. I'm the person that was like, after that many beers, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't really feel like dealing with this. I'm done. You're like, yeah, see you later. You were obnoxious to begin with, and now you're drunk. So see you later. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, super nice guy and like, you know, just a fun story I could tell. And I, I wish I had, like, originally I was going to be like, hey, man, send me a picture of that. And I'm like, well, then shit, this guy's going to have my number. And I don't even want yeah, that's happen at that point. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> no. You should have had, had him send it to her just to watch her yeah. start getting blown <laughs> up later. <Right. laughs> oh, my God. Here's, here's my number. All of a sudden, Herd's like, what the hell is this text message? Right, right. The next thing you know, you're not friends anymore a week later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so speaking of Queensryche, one of our favorite bands. Uh, we are doing the episode we were supposed to do two weeks ago. And thank you, everybody, for being patient with us. Uh, I, as Brian said at the outset, I was very sick. And uh, he lost his lost power at his house. So that show got submarine. So we're doing it now. But this, this is an idea that you came up with, Brian. We let uh, you pick the idea for your birthday show because last, last episode would have been your birthday show. And you decided that you wanted to see what desert island album collection we would each choose and we each picked 10 records and you did have the caveat that it cannot be you cannot have dream theater on the list 
So yeah, I figure we talk enough Dream Theater on here, so it'd be kind of <laughs> stupid to put those on this list. Otherwise, you're going to have nine Dream Theater albums, right? <laughs> I would have had I would have had Falling Into Infinity, Go Figure, and Score. So okay, those those have been mine. So um, right off the bat, I am going to uh, tell you that I cheated a little bit on my list. So I'm trying to pull it up here on my phone real quick, but so. <laughs> A couple of mine are obvious, and I got called out by one of our viewers. And he said, oh, gee, John's going to have 1984 and Injustice for All and Operation Overrated. I'm like, overrated. Operation and Pantera, like, so, yeah, we know what he's, what's going to be on his list. So I said, okay. So I'm not going to do 1984 or Injustice for All. What I am going to do is before they throw me on the island, I'm going to get, I'm going to divert their attention and slide each of those into some other record, so I'm technically going to have them. I'm just not mentioning them on my list here. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm i going to go first. Since right. you mentioned Queensryche, this may be a little obvious, but I am going with Operation Live Crime as my first Desert Island album because, I mean, it sounds basically the same as the studio version, but you get a couple extra songs. There's a couple elongated ar- arrangements that are really, really cool. And I, I've got to have my Operation Mindcrime. So I, but again, I, I chose the live version because it's, it's just so energetic and there's so much power to it. So it, it's like it's like basically that album on steroids. So an obvious pick, but my first one is Operation Live Crime. So now, what figured, are the uh, extra songs on there? Uh, it's it's Roads to Madness and oh, um, I think I think the Lady Wore Black. I want to say how sweet. Yeah, and the, I, one of them it, it actually might be it might be no that's that's a different one I'm thinking of, but I think oh yeah the studio the studio version like the remastered version <clears throat> has a couple songs uh, a couple of the my crime songs live on there as bonus tracks and one of them is um oh god damn it I'm drawing a blank what's the um empty room today oh okay. Here. The the uh like mission twenty two yeah, or whatever that yeah, little yeah. short dinky yeah. thing I was like, what kind of bonus track yeah. is that? <laughs> like, that's the best you could do. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, that's pretty funny. But yeah, so I, I'm getting an obvious one out of the way for myself right away. So, and I don't have mine ranked. <clears throat> excuse me, in any order. So this is just kind of random. But uh, yeah, my first one is Operation Live Crime. What is what, what do you have on your list, and did you rank them as you usually do, or do you just have them in any old order? You know what? I changed this thing around so many times that I, I'm not <laughs> ranking them. Like, <laughs> yep. So we talked before about it's it's kind of hard sometimes stuff that you think has just been played to death, and I took an example. Like, literally one of my favorite rock albums of all times still is, and used to be more so, was Def Leppard's Hysteria. But I have, I have that on my almost made it list. Yep. You know, I can't even, if I hear pour some sugar on me, I almost become ill. If I hear, um, I don't know. I, <laughs> we'll see the, ba- the more ballady stuff. You know, I just like, I just don't want to, I don't know. It, it's, it, they've burned it in the ground. You know, they burned it so bad for me that I just don't kind of want to, you know, it's like, oh, I can't wait to hear pour some sugar on me when you go to Def Leppard. So, dude, gods of, God of, gods of war is on there. Like, <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's my all-time favorite to, Def Leppard that's tune. What yep. you're spo- yeah, that's what you're supposed to want to hear, you know. But uh, not love bites, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yep, totally agree. 
So I cheated in a way too. I I, I went with some live albums to get me more songs. And um, <laughs> I was thinking the same way you were. This is an album that came across. Uh, I never knew existed until I believe we got Direct TV back in 2006 or something or 2007. And they were okay. broadcasting this live concert. It's Toto falling in between live. It's okay. from 2007, recorded in Paris. This live video and the, li- the accompanying live t- t- two CD thing, if you actually get the CD, is one of the most incredible vocal musical performances I've ever seen by a band. Like, so, so good. And it, it features, um, so it's got Bobby Kimball, who's the original singer, who was there, then left, then came back. Um, the only other uh, original member on there on this one is Steve Lukather, who's been with them since the dawn of time, the guitar player, yep. uh, you know, amazing guitar player. Um, and it also features uh, a guy on keyboards named Greg Fillingaines. Now, the most famous thing this guy ever did, he played all of the keyboard parts on the title track from Michael Jackson's 1982, or is it or 83, Thriller. <laughs> So like, wow, okay. like the Darity, he's like he did all the synth bass parts, all the high pitches. He did the pipe organ parts behind Vincent Price's rap. He was Michael Jackson's uh, musical director for many years. He toured with the Jacksons um, on did like the Victory Tour and things like that. I didn't know any of this stuff about the guy. I just remember seeing the concert and listening to it. And this guy's just amazing. I mean, he's worked with everybody from like Stevie Wonder to Herbie Hancock. And the his keyboard solo in this thing, it's like this jazz blues fusion, four minute, just ridiculous, so cool. And it's not even really a solo because the whole band's jamming with him too, you know. But uh, it's, yeah, just some incredible songs on here. It's uh, falling in between, caught in the balance. Like if I played some of these songs for you, you'd be like, oh my god, these vocal performances are just soaring. Right. Um, you know, Toto's one of those bands that like. The song Africa, I don't know what that has to do anything with the band because it just doesn't. <laughs> I mean, there's hardly even any guitar in it, really, you know. And it's like, it's not, it's not what that band is about, you know. They're more towards like the Hold the Line, Rosanna, uh, song Pamela. You probably don't know that one, but it was one of their hits. Mm-hmm. Um, this really cool song called uh, King of the World. There's also another one. Um, can't think of what the name of it was. It's the one that Steve Lukather sings. It's got these really worldly, like, drum beats to it and stuff. Bottom of your soul. It's just really cool. This cool kind of in and out, Asian sounding keyboard parts. You know, it just sounds like a big world world music meets rock meets fusion. And it's like, I don't know. It's probably total of music and just incredible musicianship. The vocals are great and. Uh, very cool concert. If you ever can run across, just check it out. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Um, s- speaking of things that are very big and sound very big, um, you might say that those things might be Mammoth, which leads <laughs> us to the next album on my list. Uh, this one probably is not a surprise uh, either, but I am absolutely in love with that Mammoth WVH record, the first album by Wolfgang Van Halen. It just it sounds great. The songs are so well crafted. Uh, there's melody for days on that thing. I mean, it's just it's like a perfect record for me. I I was so pleasantly surprised when uh, <clears throat> when that album came out because I was so looking forward to it. And you know, you hear Eddie, of course, was uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Apparently, I'm not completely over being sick. Um, 
you hear Eddie like saying it doesn't sound like anything you've ever heard and um you know and I was like okay well what, what's this gonna be and then when they dropped you know the first song which um I always forget if it was uh you're to blame or uh, don't back down but uh, whichever one it was I was like you know holy shit like I, I it actually was distance I think was the first yeah, thing that distance. yeah and I was like wow this is oh my god and right away I was I was hooked because the video and um and the uh the song blend so incredibly well I've never seen anything blend the emotion of a song with the video itself like that before so I was immediately hooked and then like I said they put out you know you're to blame and don't back down I was like oh my god and then I got the record and the whole damn thing was just unbelievably killer so I I listen to that record at least once a week and I just I can't wait to see him on tour again I saw him twice and it was fabulous both times and um the songs on the deluxe version that he just put out digitally they're really good and I'm I'm just ready for some more mammoth but um until then I unfortunately I won't be able to get it because I'm on a desert island and I'll just stick with the first one so <laughs> Uh, yeah, the second record on my list is the Mammoth WVH self-titled uh, release. So that's that's number two for me. Uh, what is next on your list, which we have not ranked at all? <laughs> um, well, before we get to that real quick, yeah, I was, when I heard The Distance, I loved the video. I thought the music was, like, good, you know. I thought it was, you know, a little bit, a little little bit formulaic and, and repetitive. And I was just, like, I was really curious to hear the rest. I was blown away as well. I I. Because for as long as it took for this to come out, it seems like, like, you're just like, there's no way this is going to live up to it. Like, you just, I don't know. I just did, my expectations of this were very, very low. And he sure. proved me totally wrong. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I right. just thought it was like such a long wait on this. I'm like, I don't know. But yeah, I love it. Like that song, Think It Over. I absolutely love that song. That's my favorite song on the record. Yep. Yeah. My favorite song too, probably. Um, you're to Blame is great, you know mr ed the, the title trick but yeah it's all yeah you're right it's all good I, I can i'd be totally on board if that one replaced one of mine or something i wouldn't be too bummed well you know what since we're in that vein and i swear this is not just for you i'm gonna go to 1979's van halen 2 wow okay yeah i i think i think this is the best overall van halen album of the old stuff uh front to back and you know what's so weird to me is when you hear the the guitar starting the, the the crunching chords of you're no good mm -hmm. you feel like your buddy just recorded that over in his bedroom but that's okay yeah because it sounds so live and so raw and so in your face you know what i mean and I, just such an immediate feel to it like i mean just the the way that the, you know the guitar the 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 vocals scream off of there, you know, the backing vocals are just floating on air, you know, mixed, you, yep. know, you know, and it combined this, the contrast of Roth just wailing away. And you still get chills when I hear this stuff, you know, and then you're going into somebody getting me a doctor out of love again. DOA, probably one of my yep. favorite songs of all time of theirs, you know, women I don't, I don't in know, love, dude. Women. Well, the, so women in love, like the, the final three on that DOA into women in love, you know, that, that ascending progression at the end and the, it's just got those little sprinkled harmonics just just right in there just just kind of just going in and out there while dave's you know just being kind of a goof on on top of that scatting <laughs> a little bit over right. there but it sounds so goddamn good 
you know, and then you go into beautiful girls and just the vocals on that as the closer. I mean, I don't even know what else you say about something like that. Like it just, that stands the test of time and it will forever. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just such an incredible recording and, and it sounds so real and raw and so live and so good. Yep. I will not argue with you putting a Van Halen record on there. Um, I, the one that almost made the list for me was Fair Warning. That's my favorite Roth record. But Van Halen, too, you're right. It's like uh, it, it is, it's just so good. You go through the whole track listing, and it's like we talked at the beginning. You talked a little bit earlier about songs that have been played to death, so you get sick of them. Dance the Night Away is one of those hit songs that I never get tired of. No, me neither. I, I, it is so upbeat and just so fun to listen to. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, like you, you nailed it. Like somebody get me a doctor and DOA and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just it's so damn good. So um, I won't talk too much about it because if, if I get into Van Halen, you know, <laughs> we'll be here for quite a while. But um, did you mention Logan Brannigan's comment? I know you posted it. Yeah, Logan Brannigan, uh, in case you guys did not see it. By the way, Logan, thanks for tuning in. Uh, he says, Mammoth WVH was a great debut album. Every song was amazing. I can't wait to see them open for Alter Bridge and Metallica next year. Yeah, that, that um, I, I tell you what, man, I, I'm looking at getting tickets for that Metallica Pantera Mammoth show in Chicago in 2024, and... There's a chance I might not make it all the way through Metallica with that lineup. Gee, only if Mammoth Wolfgang Van Halen was opening for Alter Bridge and it was within driving distance. That would be great if we would have gone to see that. Yeah, but then I I wouldn't stay for Alter Bridge, so you I would go back to the hotel. <laughs> That's fine. I'll stop. Don't leave without me. So I, I'm I'm not going to pontificate about Van Halen. Okay. Except to bring up the next record <laughs> on my list of Desert Island albums. And um, I had to have some Van Halen because it's it's me. So um, this one is the very first cassette that I ever bought with my own money. And I had discovered Van Halen a few years before. And I got some money and I, I got a, a gift certificate to a record store. And my aunt took me shopping and I bought three cassettes. I bought Hysteria, uh, Def Leppard, like we talked about. I bought Aerosmith's Permanent Vacation. And I bought the next record on my list, which is 5150. And I, I, I was kind of torn about which... I, when I think about it, like I have strong emotional connections to each of the Sammy records for different reasons. And it's like there's something there for me on all of them. But the thing about 5150 for me is, again, it's the very first album I ever bought with my own money. And it really solidified my love of Van Halen. And I, you know, I'd only heard 1984 and I'd worn it out, worn it out, worn it out. And, you know, I saw this new Van Halen record was coming out. I heard, you know, why can't this be love on the radio? I was like, oh, my God, new Van Halen. And I went out and I wore that thing out. I mean, I listened back to the record today and I can every little drum fill, every little nuance. And, you know, I could probably quote all four of the the guys dialogue and you know, on the inside the final the goof track like i can quote that chapter in verse like it's just an absolutely phenomenal record man and every song is great and dreams is actually my second favorite song of all time 
and it's just it's a, it's a killer record, man. And you know, I had to have some Van Halen on my list. I, I could never be on a desert island and not hear Van Halen. And uh, I, I it was it was a tough choice, but I I went with fifty one fifty. So fifty one fifty it is. Yeah, that's a no brainer, man. It's weird. It's only nine songs, and I was double checking forty three minutes of which like. Yeah. Four and a half of that is them goofing around on inside. Yep. <laughs> like, so, like, literally, it's not even hardly a 40 minute album, but yeah, it's another one of those things like, oh, Sammy Hagar's joining Van Halen. I don't know if this is going to be a good idea or not. I'm not really too yeah. sure. And I don't even know that I necessarily, I didn't hate it, but I don't know that the first time I heard, um, the hell's the damn Why can't this be Why love? Yeah. Um, I don't even know that I, I I was like, this is just weird. You know, like I didn't hate it, you know? And then when I finally heard the, the whole, the rest of the album, I was like, oh my God. Like, you know, I heard, like you said, I heard dreams and then I heard love, love walks in. Like, I just love, I just love the way he used keyboards on this. Like, yeah, to totally fill out and support and still drive songs like those. I think, I think is what, you know, sort of sets this apart. Well, I mean, it shows Eddie as a songwriter that, you know he he comes off of the massive success of the Roth era, and he gets a different singer with a different vibe. You know the music kind of takes a poppier turn, and the songs still just absolutely shine. And it, it was just it, it just proof that Eddie was the best. And it's you know I could see why some of the like if I was growing up with the Roth era, I, I it would be difficult to. Uh, man, it would be difficult to get on board with at times especially when you, once you get into OU812 because that one's just full on pop. I love OU812 but I can see why a diehard Roth fan would hate it but um, you know 5150 had some amazing guitar stuff dude Get Up and Summer Nights and the title track and Best of Both Worlds so uh, alright before we get to your next album we do have a comment from John Tobiran good to see you man He uh, he's giving us his list he says Everclear Sparkle uh, Everclear, Sparkle and Fade, Pantera, Far Beyond Driven, Eric Church, Caught in the Act, Live, Huey Lewis and the News, Sports, good one, Metallica, and Justice for All, that's my I Stole It record, uh, Onto the Island, Our Lady Peace, Clumsy, Steel Panther, All You Can Eat, Nice, <laughs> Frank Sinatra's Greatest Hits, Garth Brooks, The Hits, and The Judgment Night Soundtrack. Wow, Judgment Night Soundtrack, good call on that one, dude, that's got some kick-ass stuff on there. I like it. Yeah, John's an old buddy of mine. That's awesome. He's tuned in. He has he's his musical tastes are he loves everything, you know. Like awesome pick in there of uh Our Lady Peace Clumsy. I absolutely love that album. It's one of those bands I I really appreciate their approach to songwriting. But uh, yeah, cool. I can't go wrong with any of those. Garth Brooks one of those guys I kinda didn't like at first and the more I hear of his stuff, it's just I, I, I enjoy it. I think he's an incredible performer. You know, it's probably either you like it or you hate it. I doubt there's much middle ground. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big country guy, but, um, you know, I know you like Garth Brooks, but I don't think Garth Brooks made your list, but I'm sure there's another record coming up that did. <laughs> I'm full of segues tonight. You are. I'm going to go to 1991's Brian Adams Waking Up the Neighbors. And this is Brian Adams getting the full Def Leppard treatment. Um, yep. Mutt Lang puts his glorious over-the-top calculator. <laughs> can you tell I'm reading this? Polishing every <laughs> single note and vocal and layer until it's so thick and fat you can barely ingest it. And it's like oh, running down great. the sides of your mouth with grease. 
which is to say it's amazing that's fantastic <laughs> uh, yeah you know what it's like it, it's the it's the Def Leppard album that Brian Adams always wanted to make um coming off of like Adrenalize is about to come out I believe or at the same time and Stereo mm-hmm. and, and and you could just hear it all over these songs but yeah I mean I you know it's like starts out with uh Bob I'm gonna miss you some of the big hits for House Arrest and there never be another tonight uh, then there's the mellow stuff if, if you're a fan of you know literally one of the worst accents in movies in history Kevin Costner's Robin Hood Prince of Thieves <laughs> I do the, you know the song is on there um they end this the whole album ends with a song called don't drop that bomb on me you'd swear like Def Leppard's like in the studio there and Joel it's like singing along with it <laughs> and uh but yeah I don't know man Brian Adams has this weird thing of being able to like dude you keep that's the riff you came up with I can I could come up with that and play that in two seconds. Yeah, but can you make it sound this damn good and turn it to a yeah. hit? No. <laughs> yep. So he's I'll shut up. Vibe. I'll shut up right now, right? Yep. And he's always well, kind of kind of had that ability, you know. Well, I, I don't have anything to add, unfortunately, because I, I am not familiar with that record. Um, <clears throat> I, I have a feeling that more of your stuff will have that effect on me, because. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, I mean, Brian Adams, the one thing I will say, like, I'm not familiar with a lot of his stuff besides, obviously, the really popular stuff. But um, his voice is awesome. He's got such a unique, just so much gravel. Like, it almost sounds like it's blown, but he's hitting the notes perfectly. Like, I, I love his voice. So he's just one of those artists I never got into, even though the songs I've heard I enjoyed. So I might have to dig into that one. So we, if, uh, if, for, if for no other reason than to hear the the uh, Def Leppardisms. Yeah. We saw him uh, live. It was just him and a piano player um, downtown at uh, a square. It was sold out. It was like 1,500 people. I mean, it was just like dead silence as he's playing and singing every note. You know, he busted out every single hit. Did them all acoustic. Sounded amazing. It was so – he did this incredible cover. You can find it on Spotify of uh, God Only Knows, Beach Boys. Like, oh, my God, it sounded so incredible. I would so, have gone to see that with you. Yeah, I love was, seeing intimate stuff like that. And, you know, just to hear, even, even if I would have known like three songs, to hear somebody like that sing in that environment is just amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like one of those theaters and stages, too, where I could get up there and sing a note and be like, oh, this guy actually isn't that horrible either. You know? <laughs> I mean, the, the acoustics help. But, yeah, it was just it was just so good. It was one of the few times where, like, if any time someone tried to pull their phone out, it was like, nope. You know, and there was a girl in front of me that had hers up in front of me, and I tapped her on the shoulder. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she put it away. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to watch this Brian Adams intimate concert through your phone. Shut that shit off. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so, speaking of guys that could sing their asses off, uh, my next choice, and I do have some weird ones on here. So, um, this is actually the debut album by Chris Daughtry. So, I. I don't know if I don't know if I would I would say that Daughtry is a guilty pleasure because it's not as poppy and light as something coming up later on my list, but I absolutely love most of Daughtry's stuff because again I love the guy's singing voice, and um, this this record all the songs are just really catchy, and um, one of them actually is something that I sang to get my golden ticket into the voice. So I've got like a kind of a personal connection to that song. It's called Breakdown, if you guys want to check it out. Um, I chose it because it has like the quiet voice and the falsetto voice and then the power voice. And um, 
I just love it. But yeah, the the first record by Daughtry, it really took me by surprise. I I had heard It's Not Over on the radio and I was like, okay. You know, American Idol, it's just this poppy garbage, but I'll check it out. That song's kind of cool. So, I picked up the record and um I absolutely loved it. I was like, "Holy crap." And then, you know, the next two were great, and then I think it's the fourth one when he starts uh when he starts getting into like the adult contemporary sound and i'm like oh but but i i I actually went to see him i I saw him live um with three doors down and absolutely he absolutely wiped the floor with those guys they closed after him and uh then i saw him on a solo tour um he was headlining i think it was like two or three years ago and he did some of the poppier stuff from the more recent albums, but he did it with a full band, and it just sounds so good. I mean, that guy's voice is... I mean, it's outrageous how good that guy is, and I just don't think he gets enough credit. So, uh, yeah, the the fourth record on my list is the self-titled debut by Daughtry. So are you, are you familiar with it at all, or is this another... Is one I'm not familiar with the album, but I believe you played me a few songs that I had not heard that were not on the radio. I've always enjoyed his voice. I To me, out of all of those shows, um, The Voice, American Idol, there's only been two two people, I believe, that have a valid voice that sh- should be recorded and should be performing. And, and whether or not you like the music, it doesn't matter. But Kelly Clarkson is one is the other i think the rest of it including carrie, carrie underwood, underwood. I, I don't i think she is so manufactured and so phony and the muse her music is it's so formulaic it's so bad if you don't stop talking about my future ex-wife like that you and i are gonna have problems <laughs> sorry hey wait till she becomes your ex-wife i'll say even worse stuff about her <laughs> i think she's just so contrived and so like i've just got to put as much power behind everything and prance around in high heels and there's no there's no feeling there's no emotion to any of it but i do feel that in daughtry's voice there's there's a power yeah. there's a uniqueness and uh i i think you know i'm totally fine with that choice man speaking of some interesting choices okay check out this from daniel Neverez arujo right, <laughs> I'm, d- trying to, I'm trying to be hispanic here i was waiting for you to try to read that it's, i'm not going to get it but, but yeah daniel navarez Aro- i think it's araujo but yeah so all right so and this man this is all over the place this really is a, cool this this is why i like this kind of show look at this list we have yeah. bela fleck and the fleck tones but it's actually bella okay we have bela fleck and the fleck tones <laughs> yeah, so. live oh, art extreme yeah god the yeah, live art extreme three sides to every story there you go yep a man after yep dream theater activarium tool Ten Thousand days deer hunter color spectrum i don't know what that is do you i've i'm not familiar no stevie wonder songs in the key of life leprous (laughs) wow the congregation pearl jam 10 genesis selling england by the pound and meshuggah obzen damn that is an awesome list (laughs) i I feel like my list sucks now compared to that (laughs) like that's all diverse and cool okay. and I'm, I'm i swear to god i have absolutely no idea who this guy is i think he's a new listener and very very cool i'm not kidding number seven on my list these aren't ranked it's just number seven okay dream three sides to every story 1992 <laughs> now you're doing a segue yeah i mean that is dude that is weird that is very very weird 
I know you love this record, though, so talk a little I, bit about it. Again, I, I actually love this record, man. Three sides to the album, technically. Your side, my side, and the truth. Side one, super-duper heavy. Warheads, rest in peace, political calamity. You got some of the uh, funk-type stuff that they're known for off of Porno Graffiti and Cupid's Dead. Um, Peacemaker Die gets heavy again. You know, there's a lot of, there's a queen mixed in there. Um, second side uh, starts getting mellower towards the end because Tragic Comic, real Beatles-y song I think I tried to get you to listen to before I was going to, and I don't know if I ever sent it to you. Our Father, absolutely love the vocals and guitar on that song. Um, it's almost like a round in a way. And Stop the World was kind of, I guess, the only hit on there. And that goes into the very last part of, uh, it's called Everything Under the Sun, parts one, two, and three, where they have a 70-piece orchestra going with the band. And it's just a huge, massive undertaking. It sounds 70s-ish, but just so much melody, melody for days. And uh, I think one of the most criminally, I won't say it's underrated, but it's there's a difference between underrated and overlooked, right? Yeah, I think a lot of times we confuse the two. It's like, oh, it's especially like even with Dream Theater. Oh, well, this album's underrated. Well, no, it's not. It's Dream Theater. <laughs> it's overlooked, <laughs> maybe, but it's not underrated, right? Yeah. yeah. I think this is a very criminally, criminally overlooked album, and I'm so uh, so glad that uh, this dude put this on, put his on his list along with all his other great ones. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not really familiar with it. I, I Extreme is a band I've tried to get into, and it just hasn't really hit for me. So I'm not overly. No, I, like, I I know like, porno graffiti a little bit, but like I mean, like Toto, you know, it's like you hear more than words, and you're like, you know, you hear Africa, like, oh, that's like, no, that's not. It's it's just it's such a <laughs> horrible representation of what the bands really are, you know. And uh, yeah, and the other interesting thing about this is this was entirely basically produced by Nuno Betancourt, which I guess I didn't know at the time. I mean, so not only is the guy just a monster player, great singer, composer, arranger, and yeah, he produced this as well. Oh, all right. Well, speaking of guys who produce, the next record on my list is the first record by Bruno Mars, of all people, Doo-Wops and Hooligans. It's another guy, I love his voice. Um, I'm not a big fan of, this, of, of his stuff after the first record because it kind of gets, you know, too much of the, you know, hip-hop type, you know, lyrics and stuff i'm like yeah whatever but but the first record man i all the songs are great there's only one song i really don't like um but i mean the rest of it is just phenomenal i actually uh there's a kind of like a reggae tune on there called uh liquor store blues that i i sing a ton of uh when i do acoustic shows and uh i i love bruno mars's voice man and there there's like he he gets so much feel in there and um if you're into that stuff at all, he he has put out some acoustic versions of some of the songs on the record, and it's they're really really good. So it, it's just it, I guess I guess you could call Bruno one of my kind of guilty pleasures. Like I I would never go see him live just because there's not enough material there that I would get into. But I it, the songs on this first record are just really great and really catchy. Um, and you know, going back to something I said about Daughtry. Uh, one of the Bruno songs on this record is the other thing that I sang to get into, uh, to get my golden ticket, uh, to get into the voice when I tried out in Philadelphia. I, I sang the chorus for Grenade 
the opening track. So um, kind of a personal connection there with that. Every time I hear that song, I'm kind of like, wow, man, like <laughs> it was it just brings me back to being in that audition room with, you know, nine other singers and a couple producers and stuff. And um, it was it's it just it's just a good memory to have. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's definitely something that's kind of close to my heart and everything. And and I just really enjoy the rest of the record. So, uh, yeah, Bruno Mars, Doo-Wops and Hooligans is the uh, what, I, what my fifth one on there now. Yep, the fifth record that I that I have chosen. So, uh, what do you have? Uh, real quick to piggyback on that, man. I'd never okay. heard Liquor Store Blues before until you like I heard you singing it, and I was like, "What the hell song is that?" You sounded <laughs> awesome on it, dude. There was you sang you. amazing on it. It's a and, it, and I listened. To it, I was like, "This is a great song, man." Um, it's so, weird. Yeah, I'm not shocked you put that on there because <laughs> I know how much you like that from what I've been told. Yeah, that's it's just it's such a catchy record. And I I listen to it all the time still. So, um, all well, right. So n- the fifth one on your list is Drum so Roll, basically please. in that same vein. Um, I'm going to 2013's Kill Switch Engage Disarm the Descent. <laughs> so this is one of those bands that I don't understand why you can't get into, but I guess it doesn't matter. We all have our. I just haven't listened to them a lot. Okay. So. So this is the return of Jesse Leach after Howard Jones leaves, and I've long been on record as I don't think there's a more powerful voice in metal than than Howard Jones belting at the top of his lungs in a clean vocal style. It just it sends chills down my spine. And the first couple albums that had the original singer Jesse Leach were more hardcore, metalcore, whatever you want to call it. He wasn't doing a lot of singing; it's mostly scream, screaming. Well, he comes back on this one, and man, it's just loaded with 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 melody, and he just sings with such incredible power. And the clean parts, you know, there's still a rasp to them, but but the choruses are just. I mean, I, I don't know how I've seen them live. Just trying to figure if it's twice or three times now, and the guy just I don't know how he does it live. I literally have no idea. I mean, sure. I can't. I mean, the power that he puts into these these songs. But there's so much melody, and the way that, that that Adam D bounces these guitars around with these incredible, um, you know, metal harmonies on them, it's like this perfect mix of growls and screams, huge choruses, these breakdowns, and this is, they just have this art form of these chugging guitars, and then they put enough of the little metal harmonies in there. You know, it's a maidenly Queen's right kind of thing, sort of mashed in there, but it's metal, and they never give you a song that's more than three and a half four minutes maybe you know they know when to cut their losses they almost always have a breakdown in the middle but i don't know like the hits on here in due time um slow song called always which is i think was a tribute to um somebody's brother in the band but i mean just song called the turning point tribute to the fallen these are just big giant anthems that they still play like half of this album when they tour because it was just such a like a return to it was a return, but it was a, but it was also kind of a new beginning for the band. And uh, they were able to take the success that Howard kind of brought them to and bring Jesse back and even go forward with that. And he's talented enough now that he can sing some of the Howard stuff too. Right. But, uh, man, just one of those albums, I don't know. There's just there's no skippers on it for me. I can listen to it when I'm running, listen to it when I'm in the car, listen to it when I just want to get pumped up, you know, when I'm practicing for my – my stupid outdoor hockey i play in this adult <laughs> hockey league like nice i blast it up and i'm out there blasting slap shots you know with my plastic ball and stick you know like, right i don't know it just pumps me up and 
just seeing them live twice now, they just they just don't disappoint. Well, going back to a record you mentioned earlier before I move on with my list, Logan Brandigan says Three Sides of Every Story has a lot of great songs. The three song suite is masterful. I'm not a huge fan of the snare sound on the album though. Not as bad as Saint Anger, but not a fan of it. So yeah, I'll have to go back and listen for that snare now. At that level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Everyone calls it a trash can, but I've heard better trash cans. So. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, speaking of trash, my next list uh, could be considered Hollywood trash. And um, th- this, is, this album is considered one of the greatest debut albums of all time. And I think it sold something like 20 million copies or more you know it's like double diamond or something insane um but i i'm going with appetite for destruction again this is just a record that um i think is basically perfect every song is just incredible uh and again the the theme on, on my list is i realized is melody and as we talked about like an emotional connection or a very strong memory or feeling like i'm you know getting a strong emotion or feeling when i listen to the record um i i'm one of those people that like my first listening experience like my surroundings you know emotionally and physically kind of imprint themselves on me so that when i listen down the road i kind of get that feeling back and it's to the point where like when a record comes out now by a band i like i specifically pick a place to go driving around where I know it's like I like the place like it's generally the metro parks for example like I'll drive in the metro parks and just kind of like take that around and listen to the new record that I buy and um Appetite came out in 87 so I was like 11 and it was one of those records that of course I was not allowed to get and um my dad would have kicked my I mean he was already pissed off I was listening to rock music of any kind but if I showed up with this thing with skulls on the cover and right. oh I'd have been screwed but a buddy of mine at school had it and he he ripped a copy um he ripped a copy of it for me and I listened to it and I was like oh my god this is good cuz when I heard Welcome to the Jungle on Headbangers Ball I was just hooked I was like holy god is that good yeah. and then <laughs> you know I'm a, 11 year old kid and i'm on the bus listening to uh we were on a field trip when he gave it to me we're on this class field trip and you know the second song comes in it's so easy and you know he those lyrics come in you know back up <laughs> i got a use for you besides you ain't got nothing better to do and i'm bored and and this kind of thing and i'm a kid i'm going oh my god i'm listening to stuff that's i would be in so much trouble if my dad knew i was listening to it so <laughs> i felt dangerous listening to it and everything but you know, as the years went by and I got so even more into the album, you just realize like what an incredibly well-written album that it is. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is to kind of listen to it with like one earbud out and kind of listen to it that like with the left ear and then listen to it again with the right ear. Because Izzy and Slash are always doing something different. Yep. And like the riffs that you can sing to, like you sing the main riff, it's actually two separate guitars doing two separate things to com- combine to make that riff. And like I've always loved that about the album. And it's 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 like dirty and heavy but there's so much melody to it and you could just sing every chorus and um man like my michelle is just one of the sludgiest things i've ever heard and i i just love that song so appetite for me is is a record that i just can't let go of it's 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 so good and uh quick funny story it's kind of um 
Out to Get Me is kind of like a joke in my cover band a little bit because uh, my drummer, when he, he was telling he told, told the story when he was a kid, um, at the end when he's like, I'm fucking innocent, he thought he said, he, he thought he said I'm fucking air sick. So now... <laughs> So now, when, whenever if I if I blow a lyric on stage, you'll hear one of the guys holler out, "I'm fucking air sick," <laughs> like, and so it's become kind of like an inside joke with our band about that song. But um, yeah, so appetite for destruction, man, I I love it. I'm I'm quite sure that you know you enjoy it as well. I would have to skip over "Sweet Child of Mine." I can't hear it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would I'll agree still with that. hear "Welcome to the Jungle," but I will skip "Sweet Child of Mine." I might. Yeah. I could probably get through half half of Paradise City is too, but oh, look who's checking in, Adam Rishog. He says, "Hola, gentlemen, been too long. What's going on, man? Good to see you. Thanks for checking out the show, dude. Hope all is well with you." So, anyways, so yeah, appetite for destruction. I derailed us with Adam, an old friend tunes in, and I and <laughs> no, that's great, that's <laughs> great to I'm going to mention him and his awesome podcast as we get towards the end of my list here. Okay. We'll see. What 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 is next on your list? Next on my list, I have the 1989 self-titled, which they only did two albums, Bad English. I got to get my John, I got to get my John Waite. <laughs> I didn't know they only have two albums. This is another band I'm not familiar with. So yeah, only had two albums. That that was the one of those where. Depending on who you believe, I guess John Wade and, or uh, sorry, Neil Schoen and Jonathan came kind of came to blows. I don't know if this was with Journey was sort of off and on still, and maybe they just got sick of being around each other or something. But because it was originally it was like, well, John had problems, and John's like, no, that was with Neil and Neil and Jonathan. You know, it had nothing to do with me. But but anyway, yeah, I mean, um, so that the leadoff track is from. Uh, the incredible uh 1980 something movie or 1990 movie i guess something tango and cash <laughs> it plays at the end there best of what i got uh love that song man it's got a real cool synth brass parts just driving i don't know it's just a big giant you know ball of like neil shown's fat melodic aor riffing you know it's uh, forget me not was uh, i think the first single uh really cool kind of a bon jovi heavier springsteen thing called the restless ones um heaven is a four-letter word it's a really cool song then they have this killer ballad <laughs> like uh when i see you smile price of love that was another minor hit um the uh, album ends with a song called don't walk away which i think diane warren who's like a famous she's written like eight million songs with heart and richard marks and stuff it never went anywhere but it's just a really cool ballad you know, it has kind of a late 80s feel to it. But uh, I, I love the everything. on Like, Dean Castronova's on the drums on this one, too. And uh, I don't know, man. Just a just a, one of those bands I wish I had got a chance to see live because I think they only toured for maybe parts of one or two years, if that. And, uh, yeah, just a, just a great overall album. If you, if you like, you know, just really kind of polished... I don't want to call it pop metal, but heavy, heavy pop rock, I guess is the word, you know, in, in that, in that yeah. movie journey feel, you know? Okay. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm not familiar with them. I, I, I thought they had a longer discography than just two, uh, two records. Yeah, no, they just, they just made the two. And then I think it was like something, I, I almost think it was more like, oh, uh, we should probably get back to this thing called journey, you know? 
Yeah, I did. I didn't even know that it was it was guys in Journey in that thing. So yeah, shows what shows what the hell I know. Yeah. Um, so moving on on my list, I have another live record, and um, again, the band is going to be completely obvious. But um, again, you want to talk about and uh, like you know an emotional connection to a record. I am going with 1993's incredible double live album by van halen live right here right now and i don't give a shit if people say oh well, it was done in the studio they went and redid everything yada yada if you've seen van halen live with sammy hagar you know that they could have pulled that off and that you know re-recording it was just to get things perfect however they were money in the bank live yep. with sammy hagar so um you know it's got it's got most of the songs from for unlawful carnal knowledge which is just that that's another record i could have easily put on this list um for a couple different reasons um you know the, the couple tracks from oh wait when two are awesome you know they got a couple of the roth you know songs on there um it, it's just it's so powerful and and again you know for me this one is kind of a you know, I, I I always say that this is probably my favorite gift that I've ever been given because when this record came out, I was 17 and my younger brother was 14. And I'll, I, I could tell you where we were driving. We we're driving on Westwood Westwood uh, Avenue, I think it is, in Strongsville, Ohio. It was like going right past where our cousins lived. And on the radio, we're dri- my mom's driving, my brother and I are in the car. And on the radio the DJ's like, "Ah, oh, here's a new new one from Van Halen from their upcoming live record." Right? I'm like, "Oh my god." And then, you know, Pound Cake comes in and I was like, I was just absolutely shitting myself. Like I was like, "Oh my god, Van Halen has a live record." And um so I'm busy freaking out. So the record came out right around my birthday. I don't I don't remember the exact release date, but I get home from school one day and it was right about my birthday and my brother and I shared a room. And I had one of those boom boxes, you know, with the with the CD player and the dual tape deck and it had the removable speakers. Well, my dad had bought new speakers for his big ass sound system and he gave me his big tall JBLs, the old ones. And so I took the speakers off of the boom box and put the wire into the JBL. So we had this like, you know, awesome sound system thing in our room. So I get home from school. And my brother's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I'm like, all right. So we go upstairs and he goes, wait in the hall. So, OK. So he goes, all right, come on in. And he grabs me and stands me in front of the CD player and he hits play. I'm like, okay. And all of a sudden the thing fades in here. Hello, baby. I'm like, oh my God, it's the Van Halen Live record. And he hands it to me. He's like, happy birthday. I've been saving my allowance for like two months to buy it for you. And I, I still like, I'm, I, I, I should have grabbed it, but I have it right on top of my mini fridge up here with, with a couple with my van, uh, my 1984 record and my injustice for all record. And, it's it's still the official like the one I was given as a gift and I I carry that the CDs have long since been stolen and stuff but and the case is all beat up but that is my favorite gift I've ever been given because my brother worked so hard to get he was so excited to get it to me because he knows you know even back then he knew how like Van Halen's like everything for me so um, kind of a long story but that's why I picked it and it's you know I figure if I'm on a desert island it's good to like kind of have those memories you know kind of brought up so. Um, that's very cool. Now, question: Is there a video for that that recording or no? Yes, and um, it, they they recorded it for the two shows 
that they uh it was somewhere in california i can't remember where but um people shit on that too because uh they use footage from both nights Okay. And the guys didn't wear the same clothes, so you'll be like in the middle of a song, and like all of a sudden they'll like change clothes in the middle of a verse. <laughs> like, um, but it's it's still it still rocks, man. And uh, I have I have that of course, and oh god, it's just so good. Because I don't know if I've I, like I've seen that live without a net, but I don't know if I've seen this other one. I wonder if it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's out there. The whole Is show's it? out okay. there. Yeah, yeah. Adam Adam Rishog says, "Let's get this out of the way. One of my albums would be Scenes from a Memory by some shitty band called Dream Theater. <laughs> so you guys are lucky because you can put Dream Theater records on your list. Brian Brian came up with the rules, and we we were not allowed to use Dream Theater records. So you went uh, uh, you went chipmunk there for a second, but you're back now. Oh, sorry, sorry, it's all right. Yeah, my bad. I'm ho- when I, when I move into my new house here in a few weeks, I'm hoping that uh, you know this won't be an issue anymore, but." So, all right. So, what is next on your list of desert island albums? All right. The only person that might appreciate or even know who this is, I believe, is our buddy Disgust Metal Joe. Was it his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a band from St. Louis, 1991's band Pale Divine. Now, not to be confused, I did double check on Spotify to see if they're on there. I, I have the CD. They are not. If you put in Pale Divine, you're going to get like this death metal band <laughs> okay is this a local band or this was a local st louis band that had a um it actually had an album on atlantic records okay and they were originally called the eyes going back to guns and roses they featured at the time an original member who has been a touring member of that band forever now richard fortis really okay he's the original guitar player in the eyes of pale divine and um, I don't know that you would necessarily dig this album. I think you would appreciate the songwriting. It's it's kind of a mix of um, U2 meets the Psychedelic Furs meets Toad the Wet Sprocket. It's kind of these haunting, jangling, echoey guitars. Um, I really love the singer. Um, um, it's very it's very Psychedelic Furs. Also, Richard uh, Fortas went on to join a band called and form a band called Love Spit Love which I absolutely love. It was kind of a similar thing with that sort of thing, but they also had like the echoey guitars, more like the cure and enough little keyboards, things going on here and there. You would absolutely hate the guy's voice. (laughs) I know that you would hate the guy's voice on love spit love. You might be okay with this guy's voice and pale divine, but yeah, one of those bands that I don't know, there's not a single bad song on it. It's like one of those where it's one of those albums where you're like, I know it's coming next. I can't wait. You know, I don't want to leave this song. I can't wait till the next one. You know, it's just one of those songs for me like that. And I think it's like 10 songs total. <clears throat> they had one video, I believe. Um, I think it was for a song called My Addiction or another song called The Fog. It was on that. Uh, what was that show? Was it 120 Minutes? You remember that? That was like the alternative. MTV. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think they made. They somehow got on there, but you know they came out at a time when when grunge was coming, and um, I, I don't think anyone had any remote idea what to do with them. So they probably never even had any type of a prayer. Um, the original singer still plays around St. Louis, and I think they've tried to do reunion shows once in a while. But yeah, it's a uh, Pale Divine's called Straight to Goodbye. They literally have one CD on a major label. I don't think they ever did anything else. Um, I have the CD, thank God, because <laughs> um, <laughs> otherwise I would. You know what? Another thing that really hit me when doing this, I I ended up going through my whole CD collection, and I realized, man, I just miss 
I miss the old days. I'm going to sound like get off my lawn guy here, but I, I just, I miss going and buying CDs, you know, and having yeah. that product and like seeing that and being excited and not like, Oh, well, we leaked the first nine songs now. Well, there's no point in me buying it. I mean, I'll, I'll go full disclosure here. I haven't even bought a dream theater album since the astonishing. Cause I just, I'm like, I just haven't gone and bought them, you know? I mean, does that make me a horrible fan? I mean, I've supported Yes. Hey, I've gone to the concerts. I bought the merch. Look, man, if you want your favorite bands to keep making music, pay them to do so. I know. Well, well, in the past, I used to, like, I used to download Alter Bridge. I would, I pay to download all their albums and stuff. And I should, I guess, go back and pay Dream Theater to download the albums. But I don't know. I have the monthly Spotify thing, and, and I feel guilty about it, but I'm just like, you know what I mean, though? I just, I miss that. I think we're all missing that sort of era. It's hard to sort of put, unring that bell and go back to all that. As much well, as I want to get into vinyl and stuff, you know? I, I, that's actually what I, where I was going to go, is that, I mean, I'm getting into collecting the vinyl of my favorite bands. So, like, that's kind of, like, cool for me. Like, I'm, you know, looking, and I'm looking for sealed copies. Like, I could easily go and get, you know, an open copy of all the stuff. Like, I want 5150, you know, 812. Like, could right. I go get, like, a, you know, a $10 open copy at the record exchange? Yeah, I can, I can do that. Um, but I, I, I'm looking for, like, I, I found a sealed, unopened copy of 5150. It's like 150 bucks. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm going to start doing. Because that's kind of, for me, it has replaced going to the record stores and stuff like that. So, um, but yes, you're a very shitty fan for not buying the records. If you're, if your favorite band puts out a record, pay for the goddamn thing. I, I stream everything too, but if it's a band I absolutely love, like a dream theater or a Van Halen, or especially like a seven dust, a band on that level, um, you know, I'm, I'm buying the record. I'm actually putting some money into their, into their coffers. We, did, but, we both bought the Labrie on, on vinyl. Yep. Um, I bought the Michael Romeo on vinyl. I think that was the last physical product. Now I have paid to download the um, basically all of the Kill Switch albums and all of the Alter Bridge albums up until the newest one. Okay. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know, man. I just I really wish I don't know. I wish we could kind of go back, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you you mentioned physical product, and it's it's kind of ironic. You mentioned like you have kind of a local band on your list, and you mentioned they had a song something about addiction and uh i am about to do something incredibly what could be considered incredibly self-serving uh hopefully you don't consider it so but um yeah i know where this is going i'm going with uh a local cleveland band called apg their sole record called this brutal addiction and uh, i've got the album cover on the screen and for anybody wondering, uh, this is my band. <laughs> but I'm doing this for a reason. So um, if you guys want to listen to this, it is on Spotify and Amazon Music and stuff. Um, it's our full record. And there are th- we, we did a three-song demo before we did the full record. So it's the full record, then the demo, and there is a hidden track. Uh, we got asked to do a theme song for a local cable show called The Unsigned. And so we, we did a... We did a theme song for that, and that's um, the bonus track. But anyway, I- I'm not doing this as a, oh, you got to check my band out. Like, this record came out in 2007. It was the only record we ever did. We did two, we actually recorded two songs after this, and the videos for those um, are on YouTube. They're called Wish in One Hand, and the other one's called Angel No More. Uh, I played bass, and I did the backing vocals. 
in APG, so I was not the lead singer. There's a couple lead parts I did, but there's a lot of harmony rec- harmony vocals all over this because um, it's a combination of a band called Another Path and then my band Gatlin after both those bands stopped at basically the same time, so that's why it's APG. Um, and we we had two guitar players, we had a drummer, and we had two lead singers but no bass player, and I was like, well, I play bass, and like I have a higher range than our singer, the other singers, so this works out perfectly. I'll play bass and do harmonies, and we just decided, hey, let's let's throw harmonies all over this goddamn thing. Like, let's just abuse the <laughs> two lead singer thing. Um, but the reason it's on my list is not again. I'm not trying to promote, you know, my record, but I, I'm I'm very self deprecating in anything I do musically. Um, you know, I've got four Gatlin records and. You know, my little claim to fame is that I showcased for 15 major record companies in March of 2003, uh, New York City. And, um, you know, I got real close to, you know, getting the deal and everything like that. I got to do some really cool stuff, but I never I always heard the flaws in the in the music that we wrote. And the APG record for me, I love the songs on it. And it's the one thing I can look at and go, OK, that's actually I'm proud of this. Like, I, I'm proud of the things that I wrote and you know, the things that I put on there because there's a lot of immediacy to it, I think, because we basically decided after the whole Gatlin thing and writing songs to try and get, you know, we, we were shopping and, you know, worrying was it good enough for other people. We just went, fuck this. We're going to write a heavy record that we like. And this is what came out. And I'm really proud of it. And some of the stuff that I put out that's on this record, I, I think really stands up. And the production is not what I want it to be because the engineer was incredibly lazy. Um, but yeah, I have this on here just because it's, a, you know, again, emotional connection. This is, this, this holds a ton of great memories for me, dude, because I'm just, I'm just, it's the one thing I can actually sit back and go, okay, maybe I have somewhat of a clue of what I'm doing. And I like listening to it for that reason. Cause you know, I, I could spend a whole show telling stories about writing certain songs and certain parts and, you know, all the different things that we put on here that, that are very subtle, um, but yeah, I mean, sorry to pull my own record out, but I I wanted something, <laughs> you know, like that was, um, you know, I, I if I'm on a desert island, I want memories and I want something that I can emotionally tie myself to, and um, that record for me is I, every time I listen to it, which granted it's not often, but I'm just really proud of it, and I I, I enjoy what's on there, and I I I've always, I always wanted to write something that I was really proud of, and I hadn't nailed it outside of like maybe one or two songs prior to that and i'm proud of that whole record so um you don't have to talk about it because it's me but <laughs> like... i have one thing to say no yeah. no, <laughs> no like I, every... swear, I swear i'm not blowing smoke up your ass man I, that song the symptom i i think that's the coolest fucking song i've ever one of the coolest songs i've ever heard in my life man i i don't know Thank if i've you, ever told you before like i love dave's voice i do too i do dave. too if you're listening, <clears throat> I know you do a duo out there, sometimes a solo. If you ever need a piano keyboard player, Dave. Um, hi, Dave. What are you doing, Dave? He would totally do it. I'm telling you, man. Put in a good word for me, man. I'd love to I, play with that guy. He's, that'd be easy. Dave's, I, I, love, I don't know, man. There's something about his voice, and it's, it's very unique. I don't know. It just sounds like it sounds sort of effortless, although I know it's not effortless. But it's very hard to have somebody local send you. And I remember when you did the other two new songs, you actually sent me copies. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to remember if I had already heard. I think I had already heard this. 
So I figured it was going to be good, but it's kind of those things like, oh, here's a couple of new things I do with my buddies, like check it out. And you're like, oh boy, but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Like everybody check out this APG stuff. Like in those other two songs you said are on, on YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah. yeah. It's, they're called wish in one hand and angel no more. Yeah. And I again, I, angel no more. That was a killer song too. I, I love that song. I was like, oh my God, you guys did this. And I sound like a pro thing that should be you know that that you guys should have been two or seven dust or something like i mean i don't i thought it was and again i'm not just and i'm jealous in a way because you have something like this and i really don't have anything and it's fine you know but it, it, this is very cool like this is this is good stuff check out apg brutal addiction check out the symptom for sure i mean the rest of it's great too but thank but, you man. Uh, yeah dude dave, dave was awesome at writing melodies and he he and i like i produced the vocals and I mean, he and I just had this sense of melody. He he wrote stuff immediately that was just so catchy, and I I think all the choruses like are just really really big and you know it, I I'm trying to get a hold of the tapes. I'm trying to track down the engineer because he kind of had a falling out with our guitar player who engineered it with him, and um haven't seen him in years. But I want to reamp this stuff and give it modern production. There's nothing I could do about the vocals, but um. But the guitars and drums, I would love to have them big and fat because I think this record would just absolutely slam. There's some heavy stuff on well, here. It's funny, too, because, like, when I think about that Wolfgang Van Halen album, like, that's what this is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you like you nailed it. You said immediate. And I'm always a fan of, like, stuff that, like, right away hits you. Like, wow. Like, you know, it's not superly overcomplicated. But, again, it goes back to that, okay, yeah, John, I could have came up with that riff and that melody line. But... <laughs> I couldn't have put them together the way you guys did. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying it's simplistic in any way either, but, but yeah, it's, it's a cool project, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So, well, and, and enough, enough about me. Like I say, I'm not trying to soft promote, but, um, right. uh, all right. So, so what do you have next on your list? I mean, we're already an hour and 17 minutes in and we still have a couple more piece. Oh my God. Uh, I have what is becoming possibly one of my favorite, pieces of just recorded music and, and art of all time and people might laugh and that's 2009's 30 seconds to mars this is war wow okay i think it is just an absolute masterpiece i'll never forget the first time i heard kings and queens and it was like one of the rare times i had mms on and i think it was like 11 at night when they play their supposed new music, you know, which means most of the time, whatever they play on there, they'll never play again. You know, if you're lucky, you know, yeah, like, but this, this was such a huge hit, but I remember it like, and I don't even know if I knew for sure what they were saying in the course. So I was like trying to search. I'm like, what the hell? Cause I didn't get the name of the band. I didn't get the name of the song, you know? And I'm like, this is the most epic sounding. Like it had a very, I'll say almost a Def Leppard just in the massive scale of those vocals and everything. You know what I mean? It, it had yeah. a gods of war feel yep. to me. You know what I mean? Like it, it just like, I don't know. It's one of those songs I, I can never get tired of it. I don't care how many times I hear it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then you go like with the title track on there. And one of my favorite songs of all time is that, uh, I guess you pronounce it Vox Populi. Absolutely love that song. Okay. Um, you know the way they're able to mix keyboards in there that you know night of the hunter has that that synth um it's called a, it's like a synth clavier sound it's it's the same sound that's in uh, why can't this be love you know it's like that, that, yeah. that, that you know what i mean it's in the cars uh 
uh, whatever the hell, let's go. That same sound is in there, but they, they somehow okay. they just put that in a five minute song, you know, and I don't know, Jared Leto's vocals are just, they're just otherworldly. And it's just a band that I, I don't know where they, what they're doing now. I feel like they totally lost their way or just don't give a shit. But, <laughs> but for that moment in time, that snapshot of, of that entire album, I think it's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, Jared Leto is a complete weirdo. So I'm always a little hesitant. Like I, I'm never a big fan of guys that are just complete creeps, just strange, odd dudes. It's just it's weird right. to me. And but I will say, like I'm not overly familiar with Thirty Seconds to Mars, but it's one of my all time favorites. It is, and, and some of the stuff the guy sings is just like I don't know how the guy gets through a live performance because some of the notes he hits are just brutal, and he holds them out. I mean, it's man it's yeah that album adam. <laughs> and the album before that i love too but okay so adam rishog says jared leto better singer than actor <laughs> oh man uh i am not familiar enough with the 30 seconds to mars stuff to comment the only thing i've ever really ever seen him in acting wise was that dallas buyers club he was he was really good in that but then that whatever that marvel movie was was that Marvelous? Yeah. Okay. Morbius. Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, um, that, that's been absolutely destroyed. I don't know if it's because of him or just the movie itself, but yeah. Well, I know he was in he was uh he was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which is a stupidly underrated, fantastic movie. Hmm. Um, what the I, God? I, it was it was. Oh, he he was um he 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 porked himself up to play um. Uh, the guy who shot Lennon. Oh yeah, so Chat. that was him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he, he is, I mean, he's a really talented actor. I, I'm gonna say better actor than musician, because he's had more success. So <laughs> well, let's <laughs> let's just go. <laughs> let's just go by popular, uh, popular, popular success. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say actor, Adam. So, um, all right. So I I just have a couple a couple left here. So. Uh, what real, Chastity Crawley's t- uh, chiming in. Good to see you again, Chastity. By the way, I'm going to email you and set up a test broadcast so we can do our fan hangout thing when you co-host with me. Um, Chastity says, if I had to pick an album that I could listen to repeatedly that isn't Dream Theater, it would be Once by Nightwish. You know, I've never listened to Nightwish. Have you? That's that sort of like stuff seems to be like more in your wheelhouse i have i would like to get into it a little bit more um i forget the name of the keyboard player who kind of sort of orchestrates that whole thing he's an incredible player you know it all still it all sort of has that symphonic metal was it the timo guy or something timo tolkien or whatever i don't even want to try to say for sure because i'll be (laughs) wrong so (laughs) but i know he kind of leads the whole thing well i know Nightwish. i think is now like on their third singer maybe but um, they're, they're, I mean, that's one of those bands that they can sell out smaller places here, but I mean, they're just massive in Europe. I mean, they just, they just crush it. Yeah. Little, you know? Um, God, I'm trying to, yeah, I, I have not heard any, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm looking in my, I, <laughs> I'm looking in my playlist here on uh, Amazon music and I'm not seeing any of it. Yeah. So, I yeah. I, there was a uh, endless forms most beautiful i think i've heard some stuff from that i think it what that was an album i don't know they've they have some live stuff too yeah it's a, it's a really cool band i mean it's 
it's huge you know it's like operatic symphonic metal with a chick singing you know okay we'll have to check that out at some point um i did a- adam's asking about apg in the chat so i did put the youtube link to angel no more in there if anybody wants to check that out later um so i do have two left and these are these are probably i don't know if you could say they're the wonkiest ones because i just pulled my own record out <laughs> but Great. um so this this is this is going to be a surprise one I think to maybe everybody because this is probably uh something no one would expect me to listen to because it's really mellow. But I'm going with uh a band called Vertical Horizon and they had one huge record and it's called Everything You Want. And the the the, the subsequent record wasn't nearly as big, but I I think I kind of prefer it in a way um it's called go but everything you want was a record that came along at a time that i was going through i was being dumped by a girl that i was just absolutely insane about and so so like half of this record is like kind of like melancholy and you know oh i I wish i could get you back or you know you broke my heart type of thing is like so i really identified with it and it was really really it just God, I hate using this term, but it kind of like filled a void at that time for me. It was like, you know, I, I would go play shows with my band and I would have my face melted all night long by these other bands we were playing with and my band's just up there, you know, playing metal and and I would be driving home and I want to listen to something mellow, but I was also all sad and bummed out. And so this Vertical Horizon record had come along and I'd heard the radio singles and I just really got into it. And it, it's all the songs are really catchy. Um, the, the lead singer, Matt, um, God, why am I forgetting everything important tonight? Matt's but, um, thank you. He, um, dude, he's a, he's an awesome songwriter Yep. A- and, um, I, I just love it, dude. It's catchy. It's mellow. Um, there's, there's some kind of rock moments on there, but it's, you know, it's more of like a pop rock type of thing. And it's just, it's, it's a record that I've always really, really enjoyed. So, you know, take 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 my metalhead card if you must, but uh Vertical Horizon, everything you want. I I I love it and I always flash back to those times in like my early to mid 20s when I was just absolutely heartbroken and then you know, again, the the, the record after that it's called Go is really good if you want to check that out. So, I don't know if you're familiar with them at all, but uh I actually saw them live at at the House of Blues one time and it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. They were they were excellent live. I was I was not prepared for how good they were musically. So, yeah, great great band. I love those songs. We are and you're a god. Have you seen yep. the videos of Matt Scanlon singing with Richard Marks on those? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, those like give me goosebumps. Those are yep. so good, so yep. so good. Yeah, so great. Well, if you thought you went the mellow route, <laughs> <laughs> nah. you've got nothing on me. I'm gonna go back to 1993's Double uh album james taylor live wow to me there is no greater singer songwriter that's ever walked this planet and there never will be than one mr james taylor um i remember i did not know basically anything whatsoever about james taylor other than hearing fire and rain and my dad had some of his albums and in one of my old bands uh the drummer we were on our way to put in bay to play the famous roundhouse which we played every summer for i don't know five six years that i was in the band and he had a cassette player and he's like 
playing this and i was like is that sounds like james taylor he's like yeah and and he had the cassette or whatever and so i went out literally like i think as soon as we got back and i bought the cds i'm just like man it just the guy's voice is just butter and i mean the songs are all just they're all just classics and you sing along to you know carolina in my mind sweet baby james fire and rain secret of life country road shower the people i mean they're just they're all like oh yeah i've heard that oh i've heard that you know just hit making machine and and i don't know there's nobody more down to earth that has that much talent in their body than that guy i think yeah you know i mean he has a really great self-deprecating sense of humor and uh one of my bucket lists i do want to get out to see him like it'd be cool to go see him at blossom or something you know like sit on the lawn and get some wine or something you know like yep. but, yeah that's uh, def- definitely like a let's mellow out type of an evening. yeah it, it's, it's mellow out but but you know he's got some songs that grew a little bit too but yeah it's just one of those like I, I don't know i could sit down with a lot of his songs and and it's another thing cool i like about him is like i can figure it out on the piano like oh i'll play this acoustic guitar song i'll i'll bang that on piano and sound nowhere near as good but i'm singing away and enjoying it and having fun and you know trying to put a little bit of my own spin on it and it's one of the few kind of guys I can do that with. And um, yeah, just mad, mad respect for James Taylor. Yeah. I, I couldn't name you a James Taylor song to save my life. But the one thing that I will say is that all of his stuff, like you've talked about songs or, you know, throughout the show that sound so simple and like, Oh, I could play that. But if you did, it wouldn't sound anywhere near yeah. what, you know, the actual artist is doing. And I think there's a lot to be said about a guy like James Taylor that has had this career for decades and it's the songs are so simple but they're so timeless and you know there it's just this consistency you know to to the his material and i i kind of always i always i was when i think of him i think of a guy like jimmy buffett where it's almost like you know because a, a lot of my friends are actually into james taylor and it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like the dream theater fan base where you're kind of like almost in this little club. You know what I mean? It's just, yep. you know, obviously James Taylor is a lot bigger than that. Um, and you know, you know, the parrot heads with right. Jimmy Buffett and, and, and it's cool. You know, it's like, it's, it's this like community, like the, like the deadheads used to be and stuff like that. And I, I just, I just think there's something so cool about that. So, you know, and to be able to vibe out to music like that, like you said, just go to blossom and, you know, get some wine and just kind of, just get into it for I, I think that's really cool and again career longevity of of that sort is always fascinating to me and I, I give anybody a lot of credit for that um except for a couple of bands that really suck and I wish they'd go away but I won't mention them so <laughs> Motley Crue <laughs> no I can tolerate Motley Crue uh but um yeah I won't you know <clears throat> Rolling Stones <clears throat> um <laughs> hate the Rolling Stones um also hate Pink Floyd, but I can't say that on this show. So there you go. Two bands that did not make my list. Right. So, um, all right. Well, I have one more. And uh, this is, this is going to be an interesting one as well. Uh, this is an all-instrumental album. And uh, anybody who's listened to the show for any amount of time knows that uh, I also have a nerd podcast called the nerf herder council oh, and it, it is a star it's star wars based but we talk about all nerd stuff but the first several years of the show were all star wars and even if i'm on a desert island i've got to have my star wars fix and it was a toss-up for me 
But in the end, I have to go with where it all started because everyone can sing these songs. I'm going with the motion picture soundtrack to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. It was close. I was about to pick Revenge of the Sith because I love that soundtrack too. But you you got you got to go with A New Hope, man. Like it's it's the one movie soundtrack, at least for me, where you can hear the soundtrack in order and you know exactly what's happening on the screen because the music is that ingrained into you know your memory and it's so strong and um i don't know it's like i say it it might be kind of cheesy to choose a star wars soundtrack but again for me if i'm on a desert island i've got to have my star wars fix and um you know when when the whole thing kicks in you know exactly what's happening you can you know like you could picture the star destroyer going over and you know trying to you know blow up the tan of four and uh you know obviously the cantina theme and um you know binary sunset and stuff like that um you just know exactly what's happening because the movie is just so iconic and the soundtrack is just so iconic they blend together so well and oh my god what is that what Okay, so this is terrible for the audio listeners, but um, it's it, well, it's terrible for everybody because you're muted. I showed but... I showed you this before, didn't I? No, you mentioned it, but you never showed it to me. So, yeah. what is that? It's it's the story of Star Wars. What is is, is that? Wait, is that so, like a, a a vinyl record that's like yep. actually Man, like with movie dialogue and stuff? Apart. Yeah, so it has. The pictures are awesome too, so. <laughs> Oh my God! I thought I, I maybe okay. So yeah, maybe I did just tell you about it and send you a picture. Yeah, this it's basically, it's like the movie, just with the you know dialogue and then songs from it, and then they wrap it up in you know two sides. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. This will be interesting. So, oh, I thought they had. I thought maybe they actually had like, you know, they're not songs but song titles, but they don't. Yeah, this is 1970. Eat the story of Star Wars. So that was after it had come out. It was already huge. Well, well actually, well, it says 77, but that's when the movie came out. So May 25th of May. Well, it still says 77 on here, so this must have came out at the end of the year. Wow. I am truly jealous. <laughs> yeah, next time you come over, I'll have to show this to you. I thought I, yeah. So Adam, Adam Rishog's, uh, he wants... I was about to say says it's not Adam Rishog's. Adam Rishog wants to know: Have you ever heard the band Galactic Empire metal instrumental versions of Star Wars songs? Pretty wicked stuff. I interviewed Galactic Empire on the Nerf Herder Council twice, and I've also seen them live. They uh, they they did like a tour, and uh, they came to Cleveland. Actually, the same venue that Brian saw Jeff Tate at the Beachland Ballroom, and. Uh, they were fantastic and so i have heard of it they actually have a couple other stuff they, i think they there's a couple songs if you look out there they did now like they the book of boba fett um uh the, the i want to say like the jurassic park theme so they got a couple singles out there now some other stuff but yeah galactic empires kick ass it's like if you took the star wars music and just made it like done by like a, th- a thrash metal band it the, the instrumentation's great and when i interviewed him 
he uh the guy told me that they specifically look at the orchestration so it's not just like a few guitar parts here and there like they actually go through like the 40 and 50 piece orchestra and they recreate most of that so it's really dense and really layered and it's really true to the original tracks so um yeah but so i know it's you know kind of cheesy to pull a movie soundtrack out but, <laughs> but i should have um, known dude i gotta get my star wars in there you know i'm super so, hyped do you know what other john williams score is coming to blossom this summer oh which one is it? um it's not return of the jedi so i'm mad at them um actually the funny you mentioned the night before the fan hangout on december 30th i'll be in cincinnati and the cincinnati orchestra is playing uh the force awakens soundtrack while nice. the movie's playing i'm seeing that but um oh what is it um it's oh i'm drawing a blank What what is it jurassic park that's right ah it's actually my uh favorite score of his i love, is it? I love that i yeah i there's some video of some i don't know if it's like poland some european symphony playing it and i think he's like directing him and it sounds so damn good have you have you do you remember hearing the um the jurassic park recorder oh yeah like that is (laughs) yep (laughs) that is absolutely just one of the funniest things i have ever heard yeah it's up there with titanic (laughs) yep yep but uh all right so uh what is the last one on your list so the last one on my list, and this is slightly, it's not really inspired by because it would have made it anyway, but I w- had the pleasure of listening to the Adam and Kyle podcast of Here's, uh, I think it's Here What's Spinning. Here's What's Spinning, yes. Here's What's Spinning, yeah. And they had a special guest on who has not made it on our show tonight. I think it's the first time ever. We have not seen Kale McLeish. Kale McLeish was a guest, uh, I don't know what you call the word, not picker, but they do, I don't know if it's the same every week. I don't, I've listened to a few here and there. So they did uh, 10 albums, new albums, and ranked them, one of which was the newer Alter Bridge album. And Adam made a point of, I believe, saying Fortress by Alter Bridge was their best album. And I've long held fast to that idea. Okay. So 2013 Alter Bridge's Fortress. One hour and three minutes, 12 songs, just an absolute hard rock, uh, atmospheric opus, I guess is the word I could use. I mean, every song on here just, and the title track, one of those weird ones where the title track is at the very end and it just finishes so, so damn, so damn well. And it starts out with Cry of Achilles, goes into Addicted to Pain um bleed it dry really cool song called the piece is broken i mean miles is just singing absolutely out of his gourd i think this is when they were at the top of their game in terms of just like experimenting wise a little bit new ground was broken on some of these songs and 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 the way they approach the writing and and some some different changes and dynamics and stuff and i kind of feel since then that it's gotten a little stalish maybe um but man alter bridge fortress if you're wanting to know where to start if you want to get on the alter bridge miles kennedy train i would probably go ahead and start with either fortress or maybe blackbird but the uh, sure to me is their just penultimate album and i was lucky enough to see um at the northfield was it the 
what do they still call that? The Hard Rock over there, the Roxino or whatever. Yeah, Roxino, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was lucky enough to see them on the t- on this tour there, and I believe they played almost half this album, and they just sounded amazing. So that is my final Desert Island album, 2013, Alter Bridges Fortress. And uh, this has been fun, man. It's been difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult. Like it started out as an exercise of something and it turned into something else like you you mentioned like you know something that you had an emotional connection to so that means if you're stranded you want to kind of go back and get that feeling and, yep. and reminisce about that and uh yeah that, that's awesome man yeah i i had a few and i had a few that almost made it and it was difficult because it was like i whittled this down a lot and I have four, maybe five that I considered, and, and I was like, nah. I have, um, and we talked about earlier, Hysteria is on my list. Um, the first two Hoobastank records, I'm a huge honk for those because, again, Melody, and I just, I, I sing along to them for days. And um, I also have... Uh, Ozzy's the ultimate sin because that is my favorite Ozzy record and um you know emotional connection here uh when I discovered 1984 by Van Halen I knew my older brother who is um he's nine years older than I am he had music up in his room and I would get home from school before him and I would go upstairs and I'd raid his room and I'd look and see what he had and I'll never forget that the three that were laying out it was uh Sammy Hagar VOA um Motley Crue shot at the devil, and it was Ozzy Osbourne Ultimate Sin. And I would grab him and run downstairs and play him on my dad's big system until I'd see someone coming home that run upstairs, put the tapes away, turn the stereo off, whatever. And Ultimate Sin just always stuck with me. And I mean, shot at the devil, too. And, you know, VOA, I couldn't get past I Can't Drive 55. <laughs> but What about um, Dick in the Dirt? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. I, I I'm trying to think what I was watching or listening to recently. That oh, it was uh, the Ted Templeman biography, and he mentions that song. Yeah, he pro- he produced VOA. So, um, and the last one that was like almost made it was for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge by Van Halen. Because uh, when when Pound Cake came out, I was I was 15, and I I burned out so many copies of that album. I just absolutely love for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. So, uh, do you did you write down any that almost made it? So I took one off of there because I was going to probably get creamed for it. Okay. And I don't care. I'll say it now. I actually had. You're going to laugh at this. I had Jay Z the Blueprint Three. What? Look, a okay. real quick story on that. So I had moved from customer care department to another department, um, the reconciliation department in community care. And I'll just come out and say it. I was the only white guy there, right? So, okay. And we so we did this thing where I was like, I wonder if I can get, you know, some of my coworkers to listen to something I have and see if vice versa. And there was this one girl there that actually I had her digging some Green Day and some um uh actually I think it was the second Hoobastank. I had her some, a couple songs on there she was digging too, and it was funny. And she's like, and the one that everyone just kept talking about, I was like, Well, just check out the the jay-z and that's the one that has alicia keys the new york concrete junk you know it's been played to death but there was a lot of really cool different types of songs on there it's like it goes the gamut of like funk and disco and like industrial and electronic and 
I don't know. I just thought it, it was one of those where sort of by the end of me working there, I had, I just sort of just kept that album on play, just kind of kept playing it. And I just really dug it. You know, I just thought it was really cool. Okay. But then okay. I'm like, I don't know if I want to put this on my list. <laughs> you know, yeah, but anyway, that, so I had that on there. I had um, another one. I had um, Switchfoot, The Beautiful Letdown. I don't know if you ever got into them. They had a couple of hits, Dare You to Move and Meant to Live. Um, they originally were, I guess, it's a little bit of controversy surrounding this. But I guess they're originally a quote unquote Christian rock band. And then okay, that's what I thought. And then maybe really not so much, but they never really mention, you know, those kind of themes in their lyrics. But I mean, they're they're very deep lyrically, but they don't really like you know say God and stuff in them too much. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I know there's something about that album. I heard the single, and it was one of those like, okay, I got to go buy the CD. And I just, I thought it was going to be one of those like, as soon as I bought the CD, like, and eh, this isn't going to be. But man, they're just a real unique um poppy vocally was great and uh just huge anthemic courses i could get into and it was i don't know it just just the kind of stuff that makes you feel good yet sort of sad at the same time and, and sort of con contemplative you know <laughs> like All right I, I love that type of music like the older i get the more if i get something that like literally can trigger like all those things in me when i listen to it then i dig it even more okay yeah i'm, I'm not i'm not familiar with that band to be honest with you well, before we go, Adam Rishog literally says before we go, okay, what do you guys think of the new Metallica track? I will, I will let you go first. Okay. Um, I think it's just, let's try to write a song. It sounds like Motorhead. <laughs> it. it does kind of sound like that, doesn't it? And I don't, and I'm not saying that's bad, but let's just be honest with ourselves. They're, they, they, they don't have it in them to come out with a ride the lightning or a master of puppets song wise. They just, they don't, they don't have them in them, in them. Yeah. It's, it's not there. That's, that's, that's gone and that's okay. But let's yeah. just stop pretending that that's there. And so this is probably what you're going to get, you know, and again, it sounds like something that you or I could have come up with in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's very throwback and Motorhead-ish, but that's my take on it. Um, I, I it's cool. Um, I, I like it. I, they they put Lars back on a grid. I will say that, so his drums are actually not untouched, which I think is good. Um, I I like the double bass. I, I'm glad that it sounds old school. It it definitely does sound like it sounds more like like one of the covers they would have done. Yep back in like the the you know around the time of the black album but i mean it's good it's cool that they're getting back into some heavier stuff it, um you know the lux eternal like that's kind of cool like I, it, lars Ulrich though i mean the, the guy i don't know why he even owns toms anymore <laughs> all all he needs is cymbals a snare drum and a kick because that guy is so averse to playing the toms it, it, you know, every drum feels like Jesus Christ. Will you throw in some times like and I just have I have a hard time getting past him in that band anymore. I mean, I've been pretty vocal about that, but um, I, I think it's cool. I The thing that worries me is that, you know, the track listing and everything for the record sounds just like it did with Hardwired, where it's like 12 songs, but like 70 plus minutes. And it's like, 
Hardwired had some great stuff and then some pretty serious filler. It's like you don't need to have that many songs, especially when like three or four of them are just shit. So, you know, I, I if you can't if you just put like the eight or nine best out there and made it like an hour long or something, like that would be a kick ass Metallica record. So I think I'm 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 thinking it's gonna be like that again. But I mean this is a good start, but again, like at seventy seven minutes, we have eleven more songs and this song's only like three, three and a half minutes long. So you're talking about You've got eleven songs at seventy three minutes coming up. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, so, I don't think they have it in them to make a six minute song anymore. I just don't. I mean, I well, not well. I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so. I, yeah. So, well, that was a blast, man. Um, unfortunately, this is your last show for the for the rest of the year. We have the big fan appreciation, uh, the fan hangout show coming up on friday december 30th and you will not be taking part i'm going to give the fans the ultimate present they don't have to see my ass <laughs> well so, yeah, I d- no, i'm going to miss out i might be able to tune in live and watch a little bit as i'm driving hopefully catch a little bit of your shenanigans <laughs> i do have um some guest hosts coming on i got to get in touch with them and do some test recordings but uh, our, our friend chastity is going to be coming on and hosting a bit with me I actually have a gentleman from Germany who uh, still is in the industry, so I don't know how juicy we can get, but he was Dream Theater's label rep um, back around like the late 90s. So uh, he is familiar with them. So he, he's going to come. I think we're going to have him on first because it's a five-hour time difference, but he's actually going to come on and... and Tell us some Dream Theater stories from having worked with the band as their label rep. I just got to confirm that with him. And then uh, Everett Painter might come on. Obviously, he you know he runs the chapter of the Dream Theater USA fan club here in our area. And we have another gentleman that has asked to come on as well. So I will be talking about anything and everything. Uh, the Gorilla Farts will be flowing. And uh, if any of you guys listening or watching would like to come on and take Brian's place for a while on Friday, December 30th for the fan appreciation show, the fan hangout, just shoot us an email to talking into infinity at gmail.com and I will get in touch with you and we'll set up a quick test call to make sure all your stuff's working great and then we'll get you scheduled for that night. So that'll be that. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. I can't believe you have to miss it. That really sucks. But, you know, family comes first. It does, man. It's been a it's been a cool year, man. We're did we so we just finished our second year, is that right? Yeah, this is uh, I believe episode fifty. Wow. I think this is yeah, I think this is like our fiftieth episode, I wanna say. So oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I I know. <laughs> I know. And uh do we we got a lot of really cool stuff that we're gonna that we're working on, you know, getting going here for the show. So um still working on getting some big name interviews and uh we're gonna you know, be talking to our buddy Paul Lowe. We're going to do another Queensryche deep dive. We're going to be talking about the Empire record. And, um, you know, again, got some really cool stuff planned. And uh, hopefully it pans out. So, uh, yeah, like you said, another great year, dude. So make sure you do tune in a little bit live because it'd be interesting to get your comments and not bring them up on the screen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Ooh. funny. So, But, yeah, this was a blast, man. Good idea. And I guess uh, show-wise... I will see you in 2023. Yeah, I'm not 
I'm not coming back till next year. I'm sorry. I hate to break it. So. <laughs> nice. That's great. Well, guys, thanks again for tuning in. Appreciate it. Adam Rishog, Chastity Crawley. Great to see you guys. Uh, our good buddy Logan. Uh, Logan Brannigan. Daniel Navarez Arojo. Thanks for bringing your list. John Toburin. Thank you. And, guys, again, our next broadcast will be on Friday, December 30th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is our annual Fan Hangout episode, so tune in for that. It is a completely free-form discussion with all of you guys. You run the show. If you would like to jump on camera and co-host with me for a segment, just shoot an email to talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com, and I will get you all set up. So, Brian, I will see you in 2023. And uh, the rest of you guys, I'll see you in two weeks. And as usual, carpe diem.